and it was a dude. He's still on the show now, some forty years later. Victor Newman. Oh, he was Lord. real cool. He was Everybody a boss. Everybody knows Victor. Yeah. <laughs> so I said I want to be like him. I didn't want to be like Victor per se, but I wanted to be like a boss. A boss. Welcome to the Prince George's Daily. In this season, we will take a look back at some of our favorite interviews. We will revisit the in-depth and often surprising stories from some of our outstanding Prince Georgians. We will review concepts from education to business to the Center for Performing Arts, all in Prince George's County. And of course, every episode we will share the latest local weather and news. Hello, Prince George's County. I'm Del Roden. Today is January 13th, 2020. In today's episode of the Prince George's Daily, we revisit a conversation with James Allen, State Farm Insurance Agent in Lanham and native Prince Georgian. Stay here to find out what life is like for a busy business owner and community activist. Hear that interview with Heavenly Bee right after the weather. In today's weather, we can expect high temperatures in the upper 50s under cloudy skies. Tomorrow, our high temperature will be right around 53 degrees with a 40% chance of rain. Our low tomorrow night will be in the 40s with clearing skies. That's the weather for today, January 13th, 2020. And we are looking for warmer than usual temperatures all week long, according to NOAA. Sunrise this morning took place at 724 and sunset this afternoon will take place at 506. Stay with us after this interview with Heavenly B for news from the desk of Lillian Torres. In today's news, our own Angela Alsobrooks has been busy answering some tough questions about politics and education and a new update on how immigration might affect some Prince Georgians. Stay here for news immediately following the interview. Right now, though, let's hear from our Prince Georgian of the day, James Allen and Heavenly Bee. Hey everybody, it's your girl Heavenly B here with the Prince George's Daily and today I'm here with none other than James Allen, State Farm agent. Where's your location? I'm in Lanham, Maryland. In Lanham, Maryland. Say hey to my people. Hey y'all, how y'all doing? Hey <laughs> Prince Georgians and Prince George's Community College's students. Yeah. It's a pleasure to be here. Awesome. Good morning. Well, it's a pleasure for us to have you. And so because of that, we're going to start out talking about you. Okay. And you're going right. to tell me <laughs> briefly about where you're from, where you like if you grew up in the DMV area and also what college did you attend? Okay, wonderful. Um, yes, I'm Prince George's County, born and bred. I grew up and was born in Forestville, Maryland. Okay. Um, I went to high school in, in Suitland. Suitland, Maryland is... Hey, Suitland, class of 94. Okay. Um, so I went to Suitland High School. I graduated from Suitland, and I'm a homebody. So I stayed in town. I went to the George Washington University. All right. I came out of there in uh, 1998. Okay. Then after I left George Washington University, I went to work, and I realized that, you know, work even with a degree, it was very competitive. Uh-huh. I needed something to differentiate myself heavily. Uh-huh. So I went and got an MBA. Oh, okay. So I went to Howard University. Yes. yes. Okay. So I already know you, yeah. H.U. proud, because yeah. H.U. people don't play, huh? Yeah, we know. H.U., you know. <laughs> so I graduated from there. I left there. I finished up in 2005. Okay. Yes. Awesome. Sounds great. Okay, so now you go from Howard University to set yourself apart to you end up owning a franchise or being a franchisee and being an entrepreneur. How did that happen? So... So, so when you're in school, when I was in school, you know, they talk about 
So when I was an undergrad, they talked a lot about working for someone. You know, so I, I, my degree in the George Washington University was in finance. Okay. So I spent a lot of time learning how to read financial statements, and they were preparing me to work for someone else. Okay. And that was fine. That was cool at the time. Mm-hmm. But then as I got, I guess, older or, that was, or more mature, I started to realize that, you know, I wanted the control of my time and wanted yeah. to have some say-so. Yeah. So it, during that transition, so I, I, I left, actually left, when I left GW, I went to go work for an accountant. I, was, I thought I was going to be a finance accountant guy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I started realizing that I enjoy talking to people and working with people. So I made a career transition early in my career Yeah. to work again for somebody else working for a bank. Yeah. So I was working for a, a Citibank, okay, and I was out in Tyson's Corner. And Tyson's Corner back then and even now, you know, that's where mm-hmm. the creme de la creme, you know, all the money's there, that mm-hmm. nice malls. And and while I was working there, I started realizing that no matter what color someone was, no matter what age, where they were from, they all had a common denominator, and it was about their money. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, so I started to realize that, and I re- also realized I could, I like having conversations with people. So I started, I got into sales. And I still, you know, still was working for people. You know, still had to drive all the way out to Tyson's. Tyson's then my location changed. I drove all the way to Rockville. And they didn't understand my story because I'm coming all the way from, I still was in Upper Marlboro at the time now. Yeah. That's a long drive. And yeah. they were looking at you funny. And, and I, I, I didn't Everybody even, don't understand that work ethic and that, that vision. You had the vision of, which, of why you was going out there. Yeah, I had the vision of why I was going out there, but, uh, you know, they were looking at me funny and rolling their eyes. You know, I would leave at 6.30, and I could it's, it's, traffic is crazy in our area. It's uh-huh. even worse now, but uh-huh. so I would have to be there at 8.30. Yeah. So I would get there at 8.45, they roll their eyes at me. And, <laughs> so I said, something has to, has to change. You said you was getting about it there. I ain't going to keep on looking at y'all rolling your <laughs> eyes every day. <laughs> y'all don't understand the drive and the struggle, right? But, but, that, situation where they kept looking at you funny and rolling your eyes prompted you to say i'm not gonna drive out here i'm gonna start my own yeah no well not so i, so I need to find a better situation okay. so it, it started me thinking in that direction okay while i was growing up and, and at the time i at, at my church mm-hmm. there was a the, the, the deacon of the the, the chairman of the deacon board he, he was real you know real cool he had the best suits the nicest cars and guess what? He was a State Farm agent. He was an entrepreneur. So I always kind of watched him and like, man, I wish I could be like him. Mm-hmm. I wonder what he doing. Um, so around that time, I was working at the bank, and I talked with him. He said, Alan, why, you, why don't you come work for me? State Farm has a bank. You should come work for me. Okay. So I started working for him. So I, I had always watched him, you know, from, I guess from afar or just, you know, he was always a, a big figure. Um, in my life, because he was in the, at the church, he was a Sunday school teacher, but he was like the coolest mm-hmm. deacon. He was doing all, doing his thing, you yeah. Know, had you know, so I said, I want to be like that. I want to be able to provide for my family, control yeah. my time. So when I started working for him, I had a first hand. I was a you know, I had a first front row seat, if you will, watching, um, watching him work and watching his leadership style and things yeah. of that nature. So that working there really started the fire and the passion. For not only uh, helping people in insurance, but hey, I could do this and be my own boss. Yeah. So, I worked with him for ten years. Okay. Okay. And uh, he was like a mentor. It was like an internship. It was. It was awesome. It was a great experience. Look at yours. Okay, so you might say, "Hey, James, you was there for ten years. Did you really want to work for for? Uh, you know, did you really want to work on your own? What happened? I, ha- I had to learn the ropes. 
So I had to understand how insurance works, how they did it the State Farm way. Um, I had to get my licenses and things of that nature. So at the, also at that time, that was a time where I was uh, going to pursue my MBA as well. Mm-hmm. So during that time, it was like the perfect storm. I worked for an entrepreneur. Then at Howard, Howard had a different philosophy. So Howard did teach, hey, y'all have to be able to work on your own. Yeah. Right. So it was a different, it was a different paradigm. So all that stuff worked together for me. Yeah. And that's when I figured out, I said, hey, ultimately I have to, you know, do this thing on my own. Mm-hmm. And I don't tell a lot of people, but I'm, I'm telling you. All my right. wife knows too. So when I was working at State Farm, for the first couple of years, you know, I thought I was ready sooner than I, you know, sooner mm-hmm. than I was ready. Mm-hmm. So I went and applied for another company mm-hmm. to be my own agent somewhere else. It didn't work out, but it ended up working in the long run because of what, what it was doing. It prepared me to see what was out there, yep. where, where I had to get better. Um, and, and I tried, I tried three times to be a state farm agent okay. during that ten years, and that was uh, that was challenging in itself. I learned a lot about myself. It really tested my metal because you you know you had to go through a lot of hoops and hurdles. You had yeah. to prepare financial plans. That's a part of the journey. Yeah. So so. That it was very interesting, and I could talk more about that. You just gotta let me know. Yeah, I just wanna. I wanna mm. definitely. I wanna paint this picture. Like, mm. I'm so. First of all, I'm so happy that you talked about the process because that's the thing that so many people skip. Yes. When they talk about their journey, they just say, "Hey, I, I had made an idea. It. I jumped out there with five hundred dollars and boom, <laughs> I I'm a star. Look at my car. But look at my house. Yes, <laughs> it's it like is. no. Yes. It's a lot of steps along the way, but I do want to talk about. Uh, once you actually opened your own mm-hmm. office, what that looked like, because I'm sure that came with, with its own challenges. Yes. So, okay, so we'll fast forward. So I, I applied, got through all the hurdles to get through agency. State Farm approved me. Mm-hmm. Then they say, okay, James, you had to open your office. So I opened my office September 2013, right? But um, I got the green light in June. Okay. Okay, so those 90 days were... Um, hectic. Yeah. For for lack of a better term, or for the best term, um, so that 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 was oh my god. So I had to find the office space. I had to hire some people. I had to get them trained. Yeah. So I you know so what happened? So I had been in insurance for ten years at the time. Heavenly, I thought I knew it all. Mm. I thought I was the man. And but you learned some new yeah, stuff. Yeah, that that really humbled me. Wow. Uh, that ninety days because I had to. I had to break everything down into processes. Mm-hmm. I had to figure out what was important and not important. Um, I had to I had to learn how to hire quick, right. fast, and in a hurry, and um, efficiently, right? And efficiently. So yeah, I, I had all these things to do in in ninety days, and it had seemed like so when you when we first started. So that first ten days, you know, it was going slow. Like, hey, what? <laughs> Um, it's, so just like it, the boomerang, I thought was gonna happen. You yeah. thought that thing was gonna move fast. Yeah, I thought it was gonna move mad. I thought stuff was. Yeah, it was, I thought it was gonna be a domino effect. You know, I just yeah. open the door, sign a lease, and everything magically falls into place. Yeah, heavily, it doesn't work like that. Right, <laughs> right. So, um, yeah, so I had to learn a lot of different. So being an entrepreneur, so what I've learned. So I've been having my office now for this beginning of the seventh year. Congratulations! Thank you so much. What I've learned, I remember I went to look up the definition of entrepreneurship and it says one that aspires to do the works of an enterprise wow then i went to look up enterprise enterprise does all of these wonderful things hire fire recruit market so all of these things so as an entrepreneur the the challenge i what i realized is that 
as an entrepreneur, you have to wear many, many hats. Yep. Um, and and then you also have to identify, hey, some of these hats I'm not good at, I have to outsource. Yep. Or, so, so in my first couple of years, I was heavily, I thought, you know, I was very proud. You know, I'm a HU alum, mm-hmm. you know, went to GW, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a Prince George's County resident. You know, I say I have all these, the perfect storm of pride, right? So I thought I could do everything, and I, I thought I was the man. And you were stressed. I was stressed. <laughs> like no, nothing, like, ever before. Yeah. yeah that, wow, so you was, had to start outsourcing your some work. Outsourcing some work. Learning how to trust people. Yeah. Um. You know, like so. I remember my first year. I was one time. I was up. I had an audit. One. You know, for you know, State Farm audits. So mm-hmm. they come and check your books. So I'm up all night. My wife was like, "What you doing?" I'm trying to reconcile some <laughs> book. You know, I was. I had. A, you know, I studied accounting. I thought I was the man. Yeah. Was a, it, heavenly. That was wild. That's <laughs> awesome though. Like that's that's this is the stuff that people need to know. Like, you will wear multiple hats. For a while, yes. especially in the upstart of your business. Yes, you will. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I'm glad that you talked about how you finally got the ability to trust people to outsource yes. because I find that that's the uh, issue with a lot of entrepreneurs. It's like, okay, we want to keep our hands on stuff because this right. is my baby. It's like yes. you're a baby. Yes. Yes. And you feel like no uh-huh. one's going to protect it like yes. you protect it. Yes. But eventually you got you to gotta trust the babysitter. Yeah, you yeah, trust the babysitter or get, just get you some nanny cams, like, but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you got to trust right. it a little bit. So, have you always been entrepreneurial though? Mm-hmm. And then it found you. I know you did not work um, as an entrepreneur your whole life, but when you were a kid and you think back, did you were you the kid in the uh, cafeteria selling candy bars, or entrepreneurship found mm-hmm. you as an adult? I believe entrepreneurship found me. Okay, okay. Uh, so as a child. Um, what, when we would come home from school, you know, back in the day, we had the VCR. That's again to the DVR. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, we were so while my mom was cooking, we were doing homework. She would have Young and the Restless on, mm-hmm. and it was a dude. He's still on the show now, some forty years later. Victor Newman. <laughs> oh, he was Lord. real cool. He was Everybody a boss. knows Victor. Yeah. <laughs> so I said, I want to be like him. I didn't want to be like Victor per se, but I wanted to be like a boss. Th- a boss. Like mm-hmm. he, he was in there firing people, and everybody was coming. <laughs> he was giving people money. He was just a man. Yeah. He was able to provide for his family. He had yeah. the big houses. So uh, that kind of painted the picture in my mind as as a I guess as a child or a mm-hmm. young person, and then just just growing up, uh, you know, growing up w- watching hip hop artists and watching, uh, I think I think really what happened when I got to school when I got to GW mm-hmm. and started studying, yeah, right. We did. I, I took a class and that was one of the one of the papers we had to write. What what is your definition of success? Yeah. So I had to start studying. I started. Um, I, I, I learned about. Uh, it, it was an entrepreneur. I, I forget his name. His name is slipping my mind. But he's from Baltimore, and he was like one of the first billionaires. So I was reading about him, and I was like, "Man, I want to do stuff like that. I want to yeah. be creative. I want to." So entrepreneurship found me. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> okay. So we talked about the challenges. Uh, now I would like to know what the most rewarding part of your journey mm-hmm. has been. Um, the most rewarding part of being an entrepreneur is is that you control your you you control your own destiny yeah you control your own time like like i'm sitting with you you know, if i was at a nine to five i would have probably had to take leave or fake mm-hmm. sit mm-hmm. to come talk with you <laughs> <laughs> but you know so I, I just let my team know hey i'm gonna be out yeah i'll be back okay. at this time yeah business as usual yep right i could ask the young lady that works with me my office manager hey you got can you hold a meeting or can you do some training so i trust right that everything is in place 
So that's one of the biggest rewards, you know, watching people freedom de- too. Free freedom. Watching people develop. Um, as, as an employer, I've, I've brought people into the industry, help them achieve and get their licenses and do things that they didn't believe they could do. Right. So watching people grow and develop, that's been a, a reward as well. Okay. Um, but that freedom is a big thing. Like, as I have two kids. My wife and I have two kids. They eight and ten. They do a lot of stuff at school, and a lot of stuff is during the day. Yeah. And when they say, "Daddy, can you be here?" I can honestly look at them and say, "Yeah, I could do that." Yeah. So that, that's that's real that's cool. Rewarding. So that's one yeah. of the bigger rewards. Awesome. Okay, so what advice would you give someone? Like just one piece of vital advice that you would mm. give someone that wants to enter into the world of entrepreneurship that you wish somebody would have told you. Um, one piece of advice that I wish somebody would have told me about entrepreneurship. Um, I, I, when I think back about it, when I think about entrepreneurship or entrepreneurship now, I wish someone would help me understand. I guess systems, mm. understand the the systems and the processes behind. Yeah. Your business. So wh- wh- what I learned, I learned this late. So, like, I'm an insurance guy. Yeah. Someone might be an artist. Uh, someone might be, you know, fill in the blank. So that's your craft. That's what you do. So it's one thing to be good at your craft. Yeah. But being good in business is a whole separate thing. So you have to. So I wish someone would have taught me. You just preached right there. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I wish someone would have taught me how to. Like, when I went to study for my MBA, they talked about it. But but you, but you just assume that the systems will be there. So mm. when you start your own business or you 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 take the leap to become an entrepreneur, right? You have to understand the systems, the hiring systems. You have to understand your market and the marketing systems that you need to implement. Yeah. Um, your accounting system. So everything is systematic. And guess what? That's what I wish somebody would have told me. It's okay not to know all that stuff. Right. You so because I think a lot of times, and I think I, I was falling into the trap. You want to go to keep going to school and going to school because uh-huh, you feel I got I need to learn how to do accounting. I need to learn how to hire people. I need to learn how to whatever the the function is. But the reality is, um, hire other people. You got to hire other people. So yep. that's part of being an entrepreneur. You got to you know recreate the enterprise. Yeah. Okay, and and, and and I believe being an entrepreneur is knowing your strengths and weaknesses, too. Yeah. Hey, I'm good at this. Yep. Yeah, I may understand that, but... But it's not my... It's not my... Uh, the thing that flows naturally for me. Yes. So you want right. to so stay you in your lane and I'm hire somebody else yes. that's their lane. Yes. I love it. Yes. So uh, tell me what the next five years, if you could paint the perfect picture, uh-huh. not what things look like right now, but just uh-huh. go into dreamland with me for a minute. Okay. We, we in there. We there. Right. All right, cool. Yes, all right. <laughs> Paint the perfect picture of the next five years of your business. Right. So the perfect picture of the next five years of the business. So um, we will be profitable. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's one thing. Uh, number We'll be growing. So I would love to have another agency. So State Farm is doing a thing where you can have more than one agency. Okay. Okay. So if I could pull that off, that means it's a testament to my entrepreneurship, right? Because mm-hmm. I've been able to recreate myself and recreate these processes. So in the next five years, it will be awesome to be profitable with two locations. Right. Okay. Um, I would love to have some other agents that I develop that okay. are actually agents in the field doing well. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's cool, like, when you watch, like, the NFL or the NBA, they say, oh, he coached under him, and they mm-hmm. coached under him, and he has a big coaching tree. I would have loved to have, like, an agent tree of people that came and were working for me, but now, they, you know, they got the experience and the confidence to go do, it do their own. own entrepreneurial 
do their own entrepreneurial leap. So at, at, that's the five years in a nutshell. Okay, and I love it. In five years, my girls are going to be getting closer to graduating high school. Yeah. It would be nice to be profitable enough to where, you know, we take care of that. Take care, pay for college. Yeah. And pay something toward it. But yeah, that, so that's, but that's the five years. And, and I want to continue to grow and develop as a, a leader. And yeah. help people, especially students at Prince George's, doing things like this to give back and to mm-hmm. help educate. Well, I love it. Yeah. And I think that you're going to be extremely successful at it because you have in mind to see other people grow. And that is always good good karma. Um, last two questions. Yes. How do you define success? Okay. And how can we connect with you online? Okay. So success, I guess the definition, success is so so broad, but I guess simply for me, um, from from a business perspective, you want to be profitable. Um, You want to be able to, uh, success is also being comfortable and happy with what you do. Yeah. So in in each of my transactions, when I go home at the end of the day, yeah, it might have been a bad day, but did, did we help someone? Yeah. So that's success for me. Did I help someone? grow and develop did i help someone understand the insurance better did i help one of my team members believe in themselves or get more confident so that's a success for me so it's i guess it's two parts you know profit and loss we want to be profitable so that's yeah. success but then the other part of it or the i guess the the, the, the i guess the qualitative part mm-hmm. is just being able to help someone get better yeah so how can we connect with you online, whether it's social media or your website or both, so that we can learn about how we can get insurance through State Farm? Yes, State Farm, not, not any old State Farm, State Farm James Allen Jr. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's right. Um, so you, you can find me on the web. Uh, my website is um, joinjamesjr.com. So join, like, j- like join the club, J O I N. Okay. My name, J A M E S J R. Okay. .com. Um, you can get on Facebook, James Allen State Farm. Um, but th- those are the best ways to find me. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time and your extensive expertise in entrepreneurship. This has been your girl, Heavenly B, with the Prince George's Daily. Until tomorrow, good day. This from Largo. Prince George's County Executive Angela Alsobrooks says the county cannot afford to fund education reforms proposed by the statewide Kerman Commission, which supporters say will provide a once-in-a-generation chance to improve Maryland schools. Alsobrooks met with state lawmakers from the county, imploring them to work with officials in her administration to lower the local share of the eventual $4 billion-a-year plan To receive an influx of state dollars that would cover the majority of the total cost, counties would have to increase what they spend on education. Baltimore and Prince George's County would have to spend the most on education, but would receive the largest shares of that state money. According to the funding formula, Prince George's would be expected to put in an additional $360 million in county tax dollars in 2030. When the recommendations are fully funded and the state would put in $570 million, Prince George's would be asked to put in an additional $7 million in county tax dollars in fiscal year 2022. Prince George's County Executive Angela Alsobrooks is also attacking a fundraising ban that applies to politicians in her county as racially biased, saying it's an injustice that the majority black jurisdiction is the only place in Maryland bound by this restriction. 
County executives here and candidates slate including them have been barred from nearly a decade from taking donations from developers with pending projects in Prince George's, the state's second most populous jurisdiction. Critics of the ban say it hurts fundraising efforts by then-County Executive Rochelle Baker III during his unsuccessful gubernatorial bid and could similarly handicap a potential run by also Brooks in 2022. In our final news story of the day, here's Lillian Torres. For our last story, there won't be a citizenship question on this spring's U.S. Census form, but that doesn't mean the fight over it has ended in court. In Maryland, civil rights groups are trying to block an order from President Trump to gather citizenship data through administrative records. In New York, other civil rights groups are seeking sanctions against Trump administration attorneys for not turning over documents. Democratic lawmakers in Washington are fighting for similar documents. And Alabama officials are suing the Census Bureau to keep illegal immigrants from being counted in the process that determines the number of congressional seats each state gets. For the Prince George's Daily, I am Lillian Torres. This podcast is brought to you by Prince George's Community News and Prince George's Community College, celebrating over 60 years of offering the highest possible standards in college education for the county and the region. Visit us at pgcc.edu. The opinions expressed on the Prince George's Daily Podcast do not necessarily represent those of Prince George's Community College, its employees, or its affiliates. The producers of the Prince George's Daily Podcast are Heavenly B, Maude Desai, David Smalls, Joshua Boykin, Brian Green, and Chandra Durham, and is executively produced by Dale Roten. Tune in tomorrow as we continue our discussion on businesses in Prince George's County. This is the Prince George's Daily. This from Largo. Prince George's County Executive Angela Alsobrooks says the county cannot afford to fund education reforms proposed by the statewide Kerman Commission, which supporters say will provide a once-in-a-generation chance to improve Maryland schools. Also, Brooks met with state lawmakers from the county, imploring them to work with officials in her administration to lower the local share of the eventual $4 billion-a-year plan To receive an influx of state dollars that would cover the majority of the total cost, counties would have to increase what they spend on education. Baltimore and Prince George's County would have to spend the most on education, but would receive the largest shares of that state money. According to the funding formula, Prince George's would be expected to put in an additional $360 million in county tax dollars in 2030. When the recommendations are fully funded and the state would put in $570 million, Prince George's would be asked to put in an additional $7 million in county tax dollars in fiscal year 2022. Prince George's County Executive Angela Alsobrooks is also attacking a fundraising ban that applies to politicians in her county as racially biased, saying it's an injustice that the majority black jurisdiction is the only place in Maryland bound by this restriction. County executives here and candidates slate including them have been barred from nearly a decade from taking donations from developers with pending projects in Prince George's, 
the state's second most populous jurisdiction. Critics of the ban say it hurts fundraising efforts by then-County Executive Rochelle Baker III during his unsuccessful gubernatorial bid and could similarly handicap a potential run by also Brooks in 2022. In our final news story of the day, here's Lillian Torres. For our last story, there won't be a citizenship question on this spring's U.S. Census form, but that doesn't mean the fight over it has ended in court. In Maryland, civil rights groups are trying to block an order from President Trump to gather citizenship data through administrative records. In New York, other civil rights groups are seeking sanctions against Trump administration attorneys for not turning over documents. Democratic lawmakers in Washington are fighting for similar documents. And Alabama officials are suing the Census Bureau to keep illegal immigrants from being counted in the process that determines the number of congressional seats each state gets. For the Prince George's Daily, I am Lillian Torres.